श्री गोरी वैष्णवपुर परंपरा की जाए जाए श्री ऐसी भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाथी की जाए कोई भक्तवृंद की जाए कोई प्रेमानंदे so today is the disappearance day of Srila Prabhupada. We're going to talk for a few minutes. And I was asked uh, some time ago about Prabhupada's status and I answered that and that uh, answer has been published on Harmonist this morning. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit from that um, answer that I gave to a question about Prabhupada's status in terms of realization. Someone questioned, how do we know if Prabhupada's a quote-unquote pure devotee? As some people say he's in this rasa or that rasa. Who knows if he's in any rasa? Was the, was the question. So, um, fair enough. In one sense, um, while some might take offense to the question, I think that it's a legitimate question to an extent. And um, and I think that uh, other than faith, the gentleman or gentlewoman wanted some I guess women are just automatically gentle so you don't have to use that uh, adjective <laughs> but uh, 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 wanted some uh, he wanted, wanted he or she wanted some objective um, kind of proof other than the proof of one's faith so to speak that um, most people speak on on the basis of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya wanted some proof to substantiate the faith and the claims that accompanied it. Um, the faith of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates who came with him from Navadvip. Gopinathacharya is the brother-in-law of Sarvabhoma and he's the one in particular who got into the discussion with the Bhattacharya who was a sober fellow and great, highly respectful of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? He was respectful of him, he had affection for him and so forth, but the claim that he was Bhagawan was uh, was a bit of a stretch for him. There is a possibility of over-glorifying one or glorifying one in ways that don't really constitute uh, glorification. It's said in English uh, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. To give it a Prabhupada twist, taking the idea he got from Rabindranath Tagore that religion without philosophy is fanaticism. Um, so, Sarabhama thought Gopinath was a bit of a fanatic to claim that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was an avatar. Uh, actually, look carefully, he's claiming he's avatari. He's the source of all avatars, an even greater claim. And he wasn't about to just swallow that mm-hmm. on the basis of the enthusiasm, the sentiment, the faith of Gopinath. And so 
fair enough. While the devotees, we should note, took some objection, exception, I should say, to his objections, and felt a bit put off and somewhat insulted, hmm. uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not react in that way. He thought, he's my teacher, Sarvabhoma, I can learn from him. Sarvabhoma had offered to, to give advice to him, to, to counsel him, to, to um, uh, strengthen his, his reasoning, his logic, and, and thereby his resolve to um, um, adhere to the, to the standard of renunciation, that the order of life, sannyas, that he had accepted, mandated. And he was just a young boy, just turned 25. And the world was, uh, of course, calls on youth very loudly, and he was very attractive and had many, many, many all good qualities. So, so much more the world would would call on him and offer itself, offer herself to him. You could be this, you could be that, you could have this, you could have that, and so on and so forth. Um, so, Sarvabhuma, as I say, thought to strengthen his resolve by. Uh, counseling him, speaking to him on the basis of the sutras, this was something that he did as um, a service. Um, he was known for that. Famous logician and uh, sannyasis would come from him and hear the logic of the scriptures, which is basically what the sutras are. This isn't the nyaya philosophy, but in terms of Vedanta, the, the sutras show the logic of what the Upanishads are are saying, they put it together and um, and show some consistency and a concerted uh, opinion as a course of action and a goal and, and so forth. So while, as I say, the devotees took some exception to this uh, idea that of Sarvabhava, that he would school Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu took very humbly, he said, he's my senior and he wants to teach me, What? what how can I find that offensive. Hmm? Uh, so, uh, so while someone may, may put forward this kind of question, how do we know that Prabhupada is, is, uh, is well, he used the term uh, a pure devotee, a term we should explore in the course of this uh, discussion. Um, and as I say, some people, there's a lot of religious fanaticism out there and uh, and Prabhupada has been over-glorified or glorified in ways that aren't becoming. And what I mean by that is just like to call Chaitanya Mahaprabhu God or Swayam Bhagavan was thought perhaps by Sarvabhoma to be an over-glorification, to be a great devotee, a mystic. Of course, it wasn't in this case because he is the, 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 the Avatari. Um, but uh, it would be Prabhupada's a greatest nightmare to hear that his disciples were calling him God. Hmm? Uh, even the idea of calling him Shaktivesha is not something that would have come from any of his disciples. Pujapatridamarsh volunteered that idea. Um, and, of course, the explanation of that is that the person is, and it's there given in Chaitanya, different type of Charitamrita, there are different types of but one is that the devotee is empowered by a particular potency of Bhagavan, Gyan Shakti, um, 
for example, Bhakti Shakti in the cases of Vyasa and Nard, respectively, Palana Shakti, the ruling Shakti, in the case of Prithu, who is a Shakti of Asia. So the, that potency may be invested in a Vaishnava, and that is that potency that is, is, is the Godhead, uh, and the devotee is the carrier of that. And that may be permanent or maybe temporary, may empower him for some time. And in the case of Parshuram, we find that the empowerment was removed at a certain point. Hmm? So, um, so it's not to call Prabhupada God. When we look carefully at the term, it's to say that he's empowered by God in a particular way, in a prominent way, to perform a particular service. Um, but anyway, as I say, it came from Shridharmarsh. We would have been reticent to to um, use that uh, term for fear of erring and uh, again uh, waking Prabhupada up from his well, probably not the best way to say it from his samadhi, <laughs> uh, roll over in his samadhi, <laughs> so to speak, um, and. Uh, uh, so, so to hear his disciples calling him God, as I say, would be his greatest nightmare. <clears throat> um, so to do that then would be an example of an, an, an over-glorification, over-the-top glorification, a glorification that's inappropriate, a glorification that is full of sentiment but not grounded in Siddhanta. We have the example of Srup Damodar Goswami, he was the secretary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Many devotees wanted to offer some praise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They had written poetry, verses, and uh, and uh, they would like to they had, they had like to offer that in praise of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But, Sarva, but in Puri, um, Srup Damodar Goswami was this was the filter through which such praise would have to pass. Uh, if he did not give his approval of it because it wasn't appropriate, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it didn't, the sentiment didn't arise out of the proper siddhanta, then it was not considered to be ornamental. Rather than an ornament, it was considered to be a fault. Hmm? In our Gaudi Vaishnavism, uh, we ascribe our meta narrative, our metaphysical outlook, as Achintubeda Beda. So the bed and abed means one and one and difference, and the bed, the the um, the difference has to arise out of abed, a non-difference, a non-difference in philosophy, and a difference with regard to expression of the philosophy in terms of how to serve, um, sentiments of love in the optimum, which is the optimum in service, to have developed that love. In other words, there may be differences for outreach in the sadhaka day, and there are differences um, as well. And, and within sadhana, there may be differences for one may have a preference for hearing, for one another for chanting, and uh, archan, and so forth. So there are room for differences. And in, and in bhava, and in prema, in perfection, there are differences of sentiment. But they, uh, these differences are grounded in the oneness of the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, if the glorification, if the sentiment is not grounded in, in Siddhanta, then it doesn't become a glorification. No, it becomes something of a fault, a blemish, and um, so this should be avoided. So religious fanaticism uh, in regard, let's say, Prabhupada, we find in the modern time here, our times, many examples of glorifications that are not um, in concert with the Siddhanta. For example, somebody called Prabhupada the Yuga Charya. Where's that come from? We know that the Yuga has an avatar, Yuga avatar, that's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he happens to be Krishna in his Acharya Leela. So if we were to use a term, which is a made-up term, Yuga Acharya, <laughs> at all, it would apply to uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the Acharya for the Kali Yuga, so to speak, who who taught by his example the, 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 the Yuga Dharma and so forth. Um, somebody told me just the other day that Paul Prabhupada's the Yuga Acharya. I said, well, if you could find that in a book of his or somewhere where he said that, I would appreciate the reference. Of course, he hasn't. Hmm? So, and of course, they say that in this instance was said, at least with the idea that there's no other Acharya, or now they have a term, Sampradaya Acharya. This is another bogus term. It's not. Um, it's not a, a term that Prabhupada used, or he used it a couple of times. He didn't use it in the way in which they have sought uh, to, to use it to make Prabhupada and his standards. Hmm? Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. Uh, standards, the standards for the, for the next, well, for the rest of the whatever, you know, long time, 10,000 years, until someone like him, their ideas, comes and can set other, st- uh, other standards. Of course, in the meantime, if anyone does anything other than his standards, they immediately become suspect. <laughs> so <laughs> if, the ne- if, the, if the standards can be adjusted by the next Sampradaya, so-called Acharya, then what that guy's going to do or gal is going to do is start changing the standards. And as, but as I say, as soon as anyone has different standards, and, and those means, that means, it goes so far. I mean, I've seen articles that one fellow was criticized, an Acharya, for speaking about Krishna Leela in ways that Prabhupada didn't speak about it, saying something more than what Prabhupada had written in his books about a particular Leela of Krishna was immediately suspect. And he's not following the Sampradaya Acharya. <laughs> So first of all, of course, the standards need to be are adjusted according to the time and circumstance by by every acharya, and um, that's the at the root the idea of the uh, the acharya that the time changes. So there's the necessity of the acharya, and he has to adjust according to time and circumstance to make a meaningful a a, a, a living kind of a presentation. He doesn't change the philosophy, but he may. He doesn't change the principles, but he has every right. In fact, he is bound to, duty bound, to adjust the principles as much as need be in order to deliver. The, or excuse me, the details he wants to do in order to deliver the principle. So, 
how they're going to ne- recognize the next so-called Sampradayacharya. I don't know. And and then and, and, and if we look at Prabhupada, when did Prabhupada start changing the, for example, the standards of Bhakti Siddhanta, how Bhakti Siddhanta conducted his moths, what were the procedures and all these things, the managerial policies, the the liturgy, um, uh, uh, and so forth. Well, even before he ever came to America, even before I think he took sannyas, he started writing his own books with his own commentaries, and um, he had no mission, anything like that. Um, so, if someone is to come along who is the next so-called, and I don't even agree with the term, as they use it, Sampradayacharya, that person's going to write his or her own books, maybe have a separate mission, have a different liturgy or, or policies or whatever, from day one. Mm-hmm. Hmm? So, you can't say, well, first he's got to do all kind of great things and then he'll start making some mm-hmm. changes. The greatness is the capacity to make the changes and deliver the principles and bring life in however uh, it doesn't have to be large for that matter hmm? but um, uh, bring, makes it alive to 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 to, uh, to others however few hmm? of course in a big way then it's the pro- a very prominent acharya and so on and so forth but at any rate how they're ever going to recognize the next sampradaya acharya so called it's questionable. It's another term, anyway, that is, that is, that is an ex- another example of um, in unbecoming uh, glorification with all the things that are attached uh, to it, that their idea of what a sampradaya, so-called acharya, is. So we don't agree with that. Hmm? So there are, this is another, the yuga acharya, the sampradaya um, acharya, as they use the term. There may be an idea of a Sampradaya Acharya in terms of, excuse me, Madhva started the Sampradaya, so he's the Acharya of the Sampradaya. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the Acharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. Jiva Goswami says in his Sarvasambhadini that Chaitanya Dev started his own Sampradaya. Mm-hmm. We do, in our Bhakti Note Paribar, make, and it's appropriate, a link between. Uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya and the Madhva Sampradaya through the person of Baladev Vidyabhushan and so forth and uh, um, and all but but in another sense Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has started his own Sampradaya it is, has differences from the Madhva Sampradaya it's a different it's a development in a sense Krishna spoke to Brahma the Chatur Shloka of Bhagavatam and Krishna as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming in the same Sampradaya and then shedding new light on that Bhagavatam. Hmm? Um, so, again, if we are going to have a, some kind of a Sampradayachari, how the term might be used one or two or three places by Prabhupada, we would, we would attribute that uh, uh, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We would give, give that name to him. He's the Acharya of our Sampradaya. He founded the Sampradaya. Prabhupada, in all of this greatness, which is immeasurable, an infinite at the same time was not the founder of the Gaudiya Sampradaya not the founder of his own Sampradaya no 
And nonetheless, as I say, his contribution was, was huge and immeasurable, and extraordinary. And there are so many wonderful things that we can say about it in terms of what Agatha's contribution actually was that uh, we don't need to make up something, um, especially when doing so um, takes us outside of the, 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 the Siddhanta and the, and the, well, in, well, yeah, that's the Siddhanta, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who's the founder of the Sampradaya. <laughs> um, he's the Yuga, you know, avatar, and if you want to use the term Yuga Acharya, it would apply to him, if anybody, although uh, we, we don't usually find that term used in Gaudiya Sampradaya, neither the Sampradaya Acharya, as I'm mentioning. So, and there are other ways as well in which Prabhupada is, is uh, glorified that, that are unbecoming because they're not accurate hmm? in terms of what he actually did or didn't do. Um, we tried, and, and then you border on attributing what someone else did to, to, you know, to Prabhupada. And then in the name of glorifying him, you're diminishing a previous acharya whose contribution was, was unique and, uh, and so forth. So we, we see, again, we go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, who teaches where, where the, he, Krishna teaches by his example. All glorification is not acceptable. Sarupadamadar did not accept a number of glorifications that were offered in poetry. He rejected them because they had... They were. They were. Um, they had uh, contradictions in terms of rasa tattva, or they had contradictions in terms of uh, the, the same idea, anyways, the tattva, siddhanta, hmm? whether on the level of rasa or otherwise. Hmm? So glorification should be appropriate. Hmm? And there is a fair amount of religious fanaticism out and about um, around Prabhupada and his contribution. So here the fellow asks the question, how do we know that Prabhupada's a pure devotee at all? A lot of people are saying that, and they've got their faith. Hmm? And But is there anything that, that you can say? He asked me to substantiate that. Is there any objective criterion that we can invoke hmm? by which they would lend credence to the idea, other than the enthusiasm of others. Um, of course, when we draw back to the example of Sarvabhoma, he uh, and Gopinath, Gopinath made good, he made good arguments, he cited verses and so forth. Still, the Bhattacharya was not entirely convinced. And so the point here is that objective evidence um, should be, we should be able to put some forward, but in and of itself, it may not be convincing to everyone. Hmm? And Sarvama wasn't convinced. And the conclusion of Gopinath is, well, you're not convinced because you didn't get the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. By getting his mercy, then you can know in a, in a, in a comprehensive way. Hmm? So we try to give some objective criterion to answer the, the question about Prabhupada's status. We don't expect that anyone, every, anyone and everyone will necessarily uh, find it, uh, it uh, conclusive. Um, but, um, and Prabhupada's mercy or whatever is, you know, ultimately, you know, what's, um, 
what's required, God's mercy for knowing. Hmm? Um, but if we have that mercy ourselves, we should, as, as Gopinath did, we should be able to make a good argument. Hmm? And we should be able to differentiate between what is just a sentiment that's not based on philosophy and what is, and sort these kind of things out. That's a good exercise. In fact, I took this question as a great, uh, a nice opportunity hmm? to shed some clarity on, 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 on the subject. The term, for example, that he used, which is a, a popular term, uh, pure devotee. How do we know that Prabhupada is a pure devotee? So what does that mean, anyway, pure devotee? Hmm? And so I answered the question by way of saying that uh, there are, without elaborating upon it, that there are pure devotees in terms of practice and in terms of perfection, and that the questioners seem to be interested in terms of perfection, so we'll go there. But um, this is an interesting point, because again, it's a term that's widely um, passed around and so on and so forth. Um, so, shudhabhakta, a pure devotee, shudhabhakta. In some places, Prabhupada said, all of my disciples are pure devotees. What does that mean, then? Hmm? Is that just an exaggeration and a, a sentiment? Um, is, it, is it one that goes against then Siddhanta to call somebody a pure devotee who's not a pure devotee, <laughs> who's not pure? All of his disciples weren't pure. That's, that's uh, obvious, and uh, they would be the first to admit that. No, it's not uh, uh, inappropriate. It's not wrong. Uh, we are in the school of Shuddha Bhakti. Rupa Goswami has defined that school hmm? in his seminal uh, you know, verse that uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu more or less arises um, out of one of the prominent verses. What does he say there? He says, Anyabhilashita shunyam gyan karmadi anavritam ankulena krishnanu shivanam bhakti ruttama He's going to speak about Uttam Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti, same idea. And, um, and he basically describes it as Bhakti, that is uh, service, that is ongoing culture, that's favorable, pleasing to, to Bhagavan. It's not covered by Jnana and Karma. So this is the path we've joined. We have faith in that idea, and that's what's allowing us to tread the path. In other words, we don't have faith in the karma mark. We don't have faith in the gyan mark. Uh, therefore, we can't function in relation to the to those those paths. There's no impetus. We have faith in relation to bhakti, and we have faith that our ideal is bhakti that's not covered by gyan, covered by karma. Hmm? So, who embraces this path has embraced the path of shuddha bhakti. He's a shuddha bhakta in practice. Rupa Goswami goes on to speak about the, the, those who are engaged in Uttam Bhakti or Shuddha Bhakti. He says there are different kinds. There's the Kanishta, there's the Madhyam, there's the Uttam. Mm-hmm. In terms of their Adhikar, their eligibility. So there's the Kanishta Adhikari, Madhyam Adhikari, Uttam Adhikari. In terms of their ability to, to tread the path, their capacity, their eligibility to tread the path. And he makes a determination between the three stages or types of three, sta- three, three divisions of eligibility based on faith, weak faith, firm faith, well, very well-informed faith. Hmm. Um, the 
faith in Shastra is, is the basic idea uh, of what qualifies us to tread the path. Shastra glorifies bhakti, speaks about it, says it has, it has prohibitions, has what do's and don'ts and so forth. And so I'm motivated by that in Vaidhi Bhakti or the same idea in Rag Bhakti, although Rag Bhakti will be Shraddha, Lobhamayi Shraddha, there will be a certain aspiration, ideal uh, uh, eagerness within that, but basically faith in the scripture and what it says. This is the argument of revelation that, from which we find out about Krishna and about bhakti and uh, the nature of his uh, devotees and, and the path uh, leading to Prem and so on and so forth. So faith in Shastra, it may be weak, it may be strong, it may be very well informed. So we have Kanishta, Madhya, and Uttam. So, so there are Kanishta, Shuddha Bhaktas. There are Madhyam, Shuddha Bhaktas. There are Uttam, Shuddha Bhaktas in terms of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, term Uttam Adhikari is often used as synonymous with, with, uh, with uh, Shuddha Bhakta, but it, as we can see here, it may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Uttam Bhakti, but not everyone is, has Uttam eligibility to tread the path. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here in this section I'm speaking of, the Goswami is citing the eligibility for bhakti. Another thing is a realization in bhakti. We have Bhagavatam verses speaking about the uh, eligibility, that the, the realization of the devotees. There's a kanishta stage of realization. This is different than eligibility. Um, there may be some correspondence, but they can be separated as well. There's a madhyam stage of of, of realization, mm-hmm. and there's an uttam stage of realization, and the characteristics of each are described in the uh, in the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. S- Bhakti Thakur has explained in his Bhakti Tattva Vivek that the one who has attained ruchi is is a Shuddha Bhakta. Mm-hmm. So another way of talking about it. That's within sadhana. It means his Bhakti he has no or she has no. Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundurim Kavitamba. He has or she has no desire for wealth, fame, the world, uh, and, and so on. So his or her attachment is now only to bhakti. So this is another way of using the term pure devotee. He still is, or she is still a sadhaka, but, but an advanced sadhaka, ruchi bhakta. So, uh, uh, it's, when somebody asks the question, is your guru a Shuddha, Shuddha Bhakta, a pure devotee, then you have to say, well, what's, what do you mean by a pure devotee? Mm-hmm. You're a pure devotee. <laughs> uh, if you're on the path of pure devotion and so forth. So I have to sort all this, this out. Mm-hmm. So certainly Prabhupada is a pure devotee in that sense. Right? He's, if we are... And certainly he is, but but more. He wanted to know about that in terms of perfection. So there's the Suda Bhakta in practice. There's a Suda Bhakta in perfection. So in my answer, I went to the Bhagavatam verse that describes the Uttamadikari in terms of realization. Uttam Bhakta, I should say, in terms of realization. Esha Bhagavat Uttama. 
So here you go. Now here's your verse. This tells you exactly what an Uttam Bhakta is like. Now you have to go out and find such a person. What does it say? Sarvabhuteshu ya pashed Bhagavad Bhavam Atmanaha. He sees uh, Krishna and everything. And Bhutani Bhagavati Atmani. He sees everything in Krishna. So how are you going to know? <laughs> how do you know? He's telling you what he's what he's seeing. What do you see? How will you see that he sees Krishna and everything, everything in Krishna? So this is rather subjective. Hmm? It's it's put forward as an objective criterion, but then when you look at it, it's there's not much objectivity that you can grab onto. One might think how how he sees. I have to be in his eyes to see as he sees. <laughs> but one way to look at it is that. Um, Sometimes people ask, have you seen Krishna? Oh my God, but this pressed Prabhupada, Sridhar Marsha, have you seen Krishna? And Prabhupada was asked also, have you seen Krishna? Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsadaka was asked, have you seen Krishna? Sridhar Marsha told the story of how one well-to-do person, I think in the, in the political sphere, came to have the darshan of Bhaktisiddhanta and he asked for a private darshan. And so, at a certain point, the room was cleared, and they, where they went, they went to a private place on the, on the grounds. And Shudamar said, "I couldn't resist. I snuck up, you know, to listen. What he will ask, Gurudev, you know. So this is what he asked: Have you seen Krishna?" And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, "Very much." He said, "Then it's not a spiritual question. If I say yes, then you'll think that I'm proud. If I say no, you'll think why should I listen to him?" Hmm? So. Um, it's kind of a non-spiritual question. But the one of the answers is, I wasn't looking for him. <laughs> I wasn't looking to see Krishna, in other words. I was looking to serve Krishna. And that is what constitutes seeing Krishna, really. Um, otherwise... If we don't have a serving attitude, it's at Atashri Krishna Namati Nababat Grahimindrahi. You cannot see Krishna. Sevan Mukhihijivado Svayameva Spuratyada. You'll have the spurti of Krishna. You'll see Krishna when your ego turns to a serving ego. With these material senses, with these eyes, you cannot see Krishna. Hmm? So, how much someone wants to serve Krishna? How much someone is serving Krishna? To what extent? Then. That we should look and see. And in Prabhupada, we found a considerable um, service attitude. Um, whatever came, you know, in his, in, in, he, he saw service for Krishna everywhere. His zone was everywhere. Hmm? Wherever there was Maya, that was his zone. Uh, he went there. Um, and whatever he came in touch, what he came in touch with, which was a lot of material resources, for example, he immediately converted them into service, that yukta bhairagya. He started out in India as a beggar in his preaching life, 
um, he begged to come to America. I've said this before, like many young Indian men would would beg and plead and dream about coming to America. Probably was doing the same thing, but with a completely different motivation in mind. Not to go there to get anything, but to give something. And whatever he, he did get would, would be given to the person whom he came uh, to give to everyone, to Krishna. He came to give Krishna whatever he got, he would give to Krishna. <laughs> uh, so he had a very different motivation for coming here. Looked similar, hmm? perhaps. Just the sadhu just wants to go to America, not a real sadhu. Hmm? Especially at his age, how unbecoming! You know, he wants to go to America. He should be just living in Vrindavan, doing the bhajan and, and so forth. Uh, but as we see, the, he, this was his rag to serve Krishna. His motivation to serve Krishna. He saw the rag marg, as he learned from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the Bhagwat marg, to involve kirtan and a dynamic idea of kirtan and outreach, big, big glorification. Of Krishna, Prithviti Achitjatana to fulfill this idea, an idea that had, that was thought centuries after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke it through the pen of Brindabandas Thakur, that my name will be heard in every town and village, it was thought to be taken allegorically, metaphorically, or something. not literally. It's not literally that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's name will be heard. Every day. I don't know how they adjusted it, but this is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And of course, Prabhupada took it literally. <laughs> and he was the big instrument, one of the one of the big instruments, you know, starting with Bhakti Binod and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati and our Prabhupada, that, that really did that. He actually took it uh, to not every town and every village, but Quite a few, <laughs> the world over. You know, he made it well, and he left some work for us to do. Hmm? That is his kindness. Um, so a big um, kirtan. This was his motivation, and he identified the kirtan, Nambajan kirtan, with uh, with Radmarg, hmm? um, as opposed to Archan. Hmm? And he opened temples only, he said, which were bases from which we would go out and, you know, drop the bombs of his, of, of his books, the Brihat, you know, made by the Brihat Murdanga, the big drum, everywhere. So he saw the temples not as places of being idle, but as generating enthusiasm for outreach and so forth. So, um, again, he said he didn't come to get and take anything, he came to give. Hmm? Something and that's something that he had. Otherwise, how could he give it so well? Hmm? And whatever he did get, then he, as I say, uh, converted into Krishna consciousness, and whatever it was. And that means that he got thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars, hmm? and his lifestyle never changed. Hmm? Same. Rice doll, chapati, sabji, hmm? puri, olive, <laughs> as well, and and nice prashad for everybody. You know, he never changed. He always had a good, nice prashad. <laughs> so uh, you know, his lifestyle didn't change. He didn't become um, a member of this time in Chicago when a uh, reporter said, "So I've heard that you have many, many cars. Is that true?" He said, "Oh yes, we have so many cars." Yes. 
and and she just got she was just really excited by that. I got them here, you know. <laughs> and he's talking about it. Yes, we have so many cars. Oh yes, she said. What is it you call the Volkswagen and the van? They are going out and the boys with the books and and she just like oh well, now they're not all Rolls Royces and, <laughs> and uh, so forth. And he's talking about yes, I have many cars. Means my disciples have have vans and they're out in the vans, living in the vans. They live in the vans and they go out to the to the, to the suburbs and the outlying areas and they distribute books there. Hmm? <laughs> it was un- totally uncalculated on his part. He didn't, like, seemed like he didn't, he didn't catch where she was coming from. He just in his innocence, he just, oh yeah, so many vans, so many cars. We have. And why not? You know, Krishna should have so many cars. You know, you know, and they should have, of course, utility. And this was how you know we're using them and, and so on. So, although he got millions of dollars, um, he didn't uh, really substantially. Change his uh, his lifestyle. Same schedule, same program, simple eating, the same simple cloth, and and so forth. And the resources would be used all for the glorification of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Whatever big thing, whatever small thing he got. There's a famous story in New York in the 26th Seventh Avenue, Second Avenue, when he was giving a class, and after the class, one drunken, crazy guy came forward, walked up. With a roll of toilet paper and was it a roll of toilet paper and put it on Prabhupada's lap or something like that and the devotees were all like oh what's with this guy how offensive you know should we stop him and Prabhupada didn't allow him to be stopped he took the toilet paper and and, uh, and then Prabhupada said to the devotees so his eternal life in service to Krishna has begun mm-hmm. and Prabhupada, you know, blew his nose with the toilet paper or something, you know, found some, he didn't use it in the conventional sense, um, Western sense. Uh, so, whether it be a roll of toilet paper given by a bum on the street or a million dollar donation by, you know, the Ford family who gave a, a mansion, you know, the Fisher Mansion, Ford and Fisher, I guess, in Detroit, whatever it was, that's an example of opulent. Contribution. It was all digested, taken in the fire of Sankirtan Yogya, the sacrifice of Sankirtan, and um, utilized for Krishna's service. So, serving in a big way. I mean, his his, his outreach was um, considerable, and uh, and the other then verse I invoked. Um, in other words, if we want to say, well. How do we know that he sees Krishna everywhere? He sees everything in Krishna, Krishna in everything. Well, this is a way of looking at how he conducted himself in relation to the things that he did, that he got. What did he? What did he give? How did he? Uh, so he was looking everywhere for for serving Krishna. That's the point, and that's seeing Krishna. To look everywhere for how to serve Krishna, and had uncanny ability to convert. Everything into a possibility for service <laughs> means to be really steeped in that serving disposition. So to serve Krishna is to, is to see Krishna. Hmm? It's not an eye exercise. It's a change of ego from the enjoying ego to the serving ego. Um, and then it's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Balava uh, glorified Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said that 
one who has the power to engage in Sankirtan requires, in an effective way, outreach, here he's talking about, requires uh, that one be empowered by Krishna Shakti. Krishna Shakti binanahi tarpravan phartan kali 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 kaler nam kali kaler nam what is it kali kaler nam tarpravan nam sankirtan kali kali kaler krishna nam krishna nam sankirtan krishna shakti binanahi tarpravan after that he said eta pramana krishna shakti dhar dumi so he said that in order to effectively propagate the sankirtan so that, such that others are converted, so to speak, that one requires Krishna Shakti, to be empowered by the Shakti of Krishna. And he said, the fact that you have, are effectively spreading the sankirtan everywhere and converting people is the proof that Krishna Shakti Dhar Dumi, that you are the carrier of Krishna Shakti. Now, this is this is significant. What he's saying here, Krishna Shakti. Krishna Shakti means Shuddha Shatma Shatma Prema Suryamsu Shamebak. The ingress of Krishna Shakti, Samvit and Ladini Shakti. Um, this ingress into the heart of the devotee. This is means bhava, bhava-bhakti. That's the perfection of sadhana-bhakti. Hmm? Who has Krishna-shakti, hmm? Balavas can effectively do this outreach. You're doing this outreach effectively, you must have Krishna-shakti. Hmm? So Prabhupada was effective. His Sankirtan was, was um, not only was he serving everywhere and turning every opportunity and everything that came in his way into a service uh, facility and so forth. But um, he was effectively converting others and bring, bringing in others to, into the fold of bhakti, bringing them uh, eligibility, giving them faith, awakening faith in them. And the measure of that was something we haven't seen. Um, it's, you know, if we, if we were to liken it to anything, we would liken it to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's campaign himself or his other self. Nityananda Prabhu's campaign, which Sri Ramarsh likened it to. I mean, it's not an idle, uh, just a, you know, glorification of, on the part of Sri Ramarsh when he said Nityananda Vesh, that he, his campaign was like Nityananda's, going everywhere, giving nectar out as if it was water. Hmm. And far and wide. And so Nityananda's campaign, his outreach was further and wider than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's extending, you know, to places even the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu couldn't go without uh, his character being brought into question, giving the the, the um, standards of behavior for a sannyasi. You know, certain sections of the society, you wouldn't want to be found there. People wonder, what's he doing there? Nityananda yeah. Prabhu went there and converted people. So huge uh, was his campaign. And Huge was Prabhupada's campaign. I mean, on uh, what, I guess, five continents. He didn't go to Antarctica or, uh, uh, you know, the uh, North Pole. 
but uh, he would have if <laughs> if, he, <laughs> if uh, opportunity presented itself <laughs> for preaching. That was how you know the idea when he sent uh, my governor to Malkishmers to China. It was when that was like sending him to the Antarctica practically. You know, mm-hmm. yes, go to China. Uh, you know, there's nobody there, no devotees, and uh, so on and so forth. So he was a pioneer. He came to America. Um, and from his perspective, it wasn't you know the, the land of milk and honey, the streets paved with gold or anything. It wasn't like it was going to be an austerity to come here. His home, his was was his heart in Vrindavan, and he was living in physically in Vrindavan also. So at any rate, large campaign. I mean, he made temples um, everywhere, and some places he didn't even go there. You know, the Vancouver Temple, I like to cite as an example. He never went to Vancouver. There were 300 devotees in that community. And they were all coming to Mangalartik at one point. And doing outreach and expanding the mission there and so forth. Building a temple, buying property, building a temple, uh, um, establishing the deities and so forth. This went on in many places. Many places in Latin America that he never went to. He did a brief tour of Central America. I think he touched on maybe in Venezuela, the tip of, of South America, but uh, in all those practically Latin American countries, uh, Krishna consciousness was going on while he was present, but he never went there, and in other places as well. Hmm? So that's it. I find it to be a very extraordinary. I mean, to, and, 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 you know, you got to sit in one place, make sure people come to the programs, and... <laughs> And they stay engaged and so forth. Without even going there, they, they, people just running to Mongolarti and, <laughs> uh, and, and loving Krishna. So this is ex- very extraordinary. It's something like, really, it is. It's like right out of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. You know, these kind of. If you if you wrote about it a little poetically, people would think it was a total uh, myth making. You know, in, in 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 the process, but um, it's not. It's it's not a myth. You know, and. And then Vancouver, Canada converted, you know, without, he wrote a letter and everybody in Vancouver became a devotee. I mean, it's a little bit of exaggeration, you know, you get a little, everybody didn't, but it's something like that. And he wrote a letter to, one man wrote him a letter and the letter went back and from there, you know, hundreds of devotees came through the power of his letter or however they found out, you know, there was tape, you know, or his book went there. It's kind of like a letter, you know. On the basis of the book, some Canadian person, and this happened, and you know. um, the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conversions in South India are, are, are like that, and so, and so forth. So it's very, very extraordinary. So this means Krishna Shakti in a big way. He was empowered. You cannot do that uh, effectively without that. That kind of power, Krishna Shakti Vinanahi, Tarpalartan. So he had it. This is the evidence then. So that he had Krishna Shakti means the ingress of bhava. Hmm? With the ingress of bhava, then sadhana is, and that that is called siddha. Who's a bhava bhakta is called siddha, even though he's cooked. In other words, siddha means cooked. <laughs> He's cooked. He's no longer raw. He's cooked. He's 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 um, pukka. He's ripe. Hmm? Ripe. 
still on the tree, hasn't fallen off the tree yet, but he's ripe for the picking, something like that. So bhava, there's a cultivation, of course, of bhava. Hmm? Uh, cultivating the bhava just into a stai. Hmm? When a stai bhava is complete, then this is the basis for, for rasa. Hmm? So it's a cultivation, So, it, but it's still a perfection as well. So in, in the least, then, we will say, we have objective evidence from the measure of his outreach and the effective, effectiveness of it, hmm? that, um, that he was experiencing the ingress of this Swarup uh, Shakti, Ladini Shakti, Sambit Shakti. And of course, as I wrote in my article published there on Harmonist today, um, the poem that Prabhupada wrote on the Jaladutta um, prays for that empowerment, hmm? the power, the shakti to do that. And also, in a poem, he also speaks of his um, aspiration in such a way that it's clear that he had a very clear idea of his um, ideal hmm? in Sakyarasa. So that's a powerful, powerful um, poem. And I invoke Chudamarja's um, kind of hints about it or statements about it. And, Churn, churn them a bit to comment on the song. So in this way, there is some objective evidence that we can marshal to answer such a uh, question. Again, he or she who questioned or may not be entirely convinced, but then um, it's still pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> it's pretty convincing. Uh, there are some uh, objectors, and 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 the objectors that I have met. They are um, also offensive to Prabhupada and his campaign, which is obviously they have they have no mercy to, which is really the way of knowing mm-hmm. through revelation, so to speak. Um, that's evidence of just the opposite to offend such a person who is in his contribution and so forth. So. So in this way, there is some, um, uh, as Prabhupada would like to call it, as the science of uh, bhakti, uh, bhakti yoga. Hmm? We should be acquainted with it so that we can see that we develop sentiments that are based appropriately in Siddhanta, arising out of the proper understanding of, of the teaching and so forth. And then we can make glorification, do glorification, mahima, for example, of Prabhupada, that will be powerful, potent, and and um, won't create the kind of problems that we find today in the name of glorification of Prabhupada. In the name of glorifying Prabhupada, such a mess has been created hmm, by so many of uh, of his disciples, and it's all in the name of, uh, of 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 glorifying him. And if the glorification is appropriate. Accurate, you won't find that kind of a, those, that kind of a mess, that kind of a, a problem. So, it's not. In other words, that glorification is not fostering the growth of outreach, hmm? the, or, or or depth of of development hmm? on the part of the devotees. It's it's doing neither. Hmm? I mean, you see these glorifications of Prabhupada on the internet, that you just think, my God, I hope nobody hears this. I hope nobody, no objective, you know, no, no person 
not um, a uh, who's not a Gaudi of Vaishnav who might be interested or curious hears this, and people have such so little sense about it that they're ready to put it on the internet in the name of glorification. I'm thinking, God, I hope nobody listens to this. Who would want to join this group? The way they're talking about. you know, Prabhupada, that, that, that mandates, in their opinion, criticizing others to such an extreme, for example, and other types of so-called uh, glorification. It doesn't foster outreach, and it does nothing for inner development, inner growth as well. So we find, um, by and large, the outreach has been stifled to a large extent, compared to what Prabhupada had in mind, what he was doing. Hmm? And the inner reach, the realization of the disciples is, is limited. So, But there's plenty of glorification, right? So what's the, here's the problem. Where's the problem? The problem is in the kind of, what is the so-called glorification. Hmm. Because if it was appropriate, then there would be, it was based on Siddhanta, accurate then. You wouldn't have these kind of problems. Hmm. So we should we should glorify him. We should remember the position of Sarup Damodar. Hmm. Relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not every glorification was accepted. Hmm. No. The road to hell was paved with again good intentions. So religion without philosophy is merely sentiment and it deteriorates into uh, fanaticism. So, no need for that. So many wonderful things that he did. And in his own sphere, uh, it will never be uh, equaled. I mean, it's its its own unique, Prabhupada's contribution, its own unique, you know, uh, he didn't do everything. But uh, what he did do was unique and extraordinary and um, um, something that's you know etched in the history books of uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We should be so you know pr- um, proud of that. Uh, and it was what was it? It was largely outreach and um, bringing the books of the, the core books into the foreign languages for the first time and. This, this, this was his kind of preoccupation as he was living on the orders of Bhakti Siddhanta Um Wide circulation, again, a comparison to Nityananda Prabhu centuries later. Hmm? Uh, Nityananda revisited through his Shakti, his empowerment of, of Prabhupada, uh, the person of our. Gurudev or Param Gurudev, as may be the case here today. And this is, I mean, wow. There's <laughs> uh, much to be said about that. That's uh, very uh, extraordinary. So, we don't have to go outside of the actual contribution. So, in this way, we answer the question. Are there any other questions? Yes. Um, thinking about how all glorification is necessary. I believe there was a statement once that Prophet made the, the mental house. 
for glorifying when you, you said there was no limit. Right. Which is and that is something that could be, like you say, abused. Or that was brought up in relation to Prabhupada's palace that was being built in New Vrindavan under the guidance of Kirtananda Swami, his, one of his uh, dear disciples. And um, one of Prabhupada's other disciples questioned spending all this money on the Palace of Gold, I think it was yeah, called, or something like that, for Prabhupada, rather than, for example, giving money for printing books, something like that, which was something that Prabhupada wanted to see the books published and distributed. And the Prabhupada didn't go with that. He said, there's no limit to which you can glorify the spiritual master. Um, so the devotee had in his heart a desire to glorify him in a particular way and and make you know some place in the Appalachians you know a famous stopover for tourists or something like that because there was a palace of gold like a Taj Mahal you know in the in the, in the hills of West Virginia you know and of course it was it was a glorification of a Prabhupada so that was his idea so there are different ideas different sentiments for, for preaching ways to express oneself in preaching. So Prabhupada responded like that. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, you can say say anything about Prabhupada or uh, there's no limit to how you can glorify him. So we can glorify him unlimitedly by speaking about what he did. The point is that when we glorify him in terms of things that he didn't do or that he wasn't, it's not a glorification. Mm-hmm. Hmm? But my point is, when it's not according to Siddhanta, when it's not accurate, it's not a glorification. So you can glorify unlimitedly, but what it means to glorify, that we have to understand. You can honor the guru un- unlimitedly, when we should. Hmm? But what does it mean to honor him? If you say he's God in Vaishnavism, is that a glorification? If I say Prabhupada is Krishna, I mean, come on, face it, you know? Uh, you know, if you say, like, okay, Prabhupada, Sri Dharma said that Prabhupada is empowered by Nityananda Prabhu. I say, he is Nityananda. He's the incarnation of Nityananda Prabhu. I mean, that, this is like, you know, Prabhupada would, would, as they say, turn over in his samadhi to hear that. That's not, that's not Vaishnavism. He's a devotee of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? So that would be an example, then, of so-called glorification. It's really not a glorification. Hmm? First canto, the Bible play, you've been giving classes. When Sutta Goswami, mm-hmm. when he begins to, before beginning to speak, he first of all begins to glorify his spiritual master, Shukadeva Goswami. And lately I've been reading some talks that Prabhupada gave on that canto, and he's, he emphasized that yes, the this is proper that the disciple must glorify the spiritual master before speaking. But he made it very clear that you have to say what he has done, huh. which is what Sutta Goswami did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, An accurate glorification. Yeah, accurate glorification. Mm-hmm. Probably really emphatically made it that point so clear. Yeah, yeah. So, anything else? Yes. Guruji, I was wondering if you could um, define for me what does it mean, Pujapad? 
It means means worshipable. Whose feet are worshipable? The most the most worshipable puja pod. Hmm. Like Prabhupada, Puja Pod. It's an honorific. It means most worshipable. The most venerable. Golokadas. <laughs> and it's usually reserved for um, advanced devotees. All right, we'll stop there. I see Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. 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 I see Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai.